Welcome to the Ralph Moore Podcast. Gain the leadership advantage as Ralph pulls wisdom from his bag of over 50 years experience in planting and leading multiplying churches. Our goal is to help you live as a leader you'd want to follow. You'll learn about making disciples and planting churches, but beyond that, you'll gain practical wisdom about subjects like how to manage your team, handling difficult people, pulling a congregation off a growth plateau, and even money management. Hey, welcome to the podcast. Today is part three of my interview with Troy Evans. The guy has done some time in prison. Uh, He's pastoring a very successful church that's doing some creative things. Uh, He's been an IT engineer. This is a very brilliant guy and someone we all really need to take time and learn from. I have some friends who can't talk about the polarity in America racially without sliding into it. You know, the, one, of, one, of my, one of my really lifelong friends right now, we're a little bit estranged. He, he, uh, we, we'd be in a group of people. He'd be the only black person in the room. And but these are all his friends. I mean, these are all people who really love this guy. And then he would start preaching at us and go, "Everybody's a racist. Everybody, you know, is and not everybody is." And at one point, I'm going, you know, one of my neighbors is right, like a hundred yards from my house, African American guy, and his wife is very friendly with my wife, and she's friendly to me. But whenever I greet the guy, I begrudgingly get a smile. And so it's, or not even a smile. I get a hello, no smile. And so I asked my friend who's accusing us all of being racist. Uh, so I, I'm trying to reach out. I'm trying to not, I'm not a racist. I, I want to reach across any divide. How do I get, you know, how do I get to this guy? And the guy got all hostile about that. It's like, woo, you know, I crossed, I said something I shouldn't have said. You, uh, And a number of people, and I don't know why, but it seems like the guys, especially that I meet at Exponential, the guys who are, I mean, because Exponential is basically a big white organization, but but the guys that are there that are uh, not necessarily African-Americans, Asians are there, you know, Hispanics are there. Nobody seems to be trapped in polarity. And I just, I I just, I want to say that because I just, I'm just trying to, I don't even have a question associated with that. I just want to tell you how much I admire you and how much of a big tent thinker you are. You know, you, you, you include everybody in, in, as you present uh, solutions, but you also include everybody as you present problems. And I just, I think we just need to hear more from you. Uh, you know, Myron Pierce, my really close friend, uh, like a son to me now. Uh, I'm getting to know his kids. I, I was at a I was at a pizza restaurant with Myron and his family, and I I was on my home way home from Indianapolis, and so we, we were able to stop in Omaha, and I, and I had my wife come out, and because she and Kristen have become pretty good friends, and so I I stepped into a trap. Um, we're at this little pizza place. They go there every week and there's a game room and you, you got to pay a dollar to play the video games. And so uh, his oldest was sitting next to me and the other three kids were in the game room. 
And so I, I reached in my pocket and I found I had six bucks. So I, I go, why don't you go in there with your, your brother and sister and just go hang out with them? You know, here's some money. And it was, I mean, it was a racial pothole. He looked at me like Mr. White Man. And he goes, you don't have to give us money. I mean, you know, and Myron's a real successful entrepreneur. They don't need my money. And so I go, I go, I point at Myron. I go, see that guy right there? He goes, yeah. I go, who's that? My dad. And, and I, and he's real sullen at this point. And I go, you know, he tells everybody in the world, I'm his dad. Right. Absolutely. I, and I tell everybody in the world, he's my son. What's, yeah. that, make, what's that make you? Absolutely. He goes, uh, grandson. Goes, yeah. Last time I read in a book, I found out that grandparents are supposed to spoil their grandchildren. So take the money. Right. And, he and he took it and he went back and he was like, you don't know what to do, but you, yeah. but this thing is there everywhere we are. And yeah. it's, it's spooky. But then here's the weird thing. This, and again, this is just talk, you know, I had stupidly rented a Tesla. Uh, you know, I was going to only be there for like three days. Mm-hmm. And so I, I looked it on, you know, hot wire or whatever, and it was reasonable price. And so I, I go there and when I go to pick up the car, I find out the price wasn't for three days. It was for one day. So now I'm paying three times as much as I should. And I'm stuck. And at the at the, the car rental place, it was a Hertz. The only person there, you, you, go, you don't go to some counter. You go right to the garage. And, the, you know, the person who signs you out of the car rental deal, well, that's the only person on site. It was this lady... And she's, she could hardly walk. She, she, she wrecked her leg, so she couldn't get out of the booth very well. She, she signs the papers with me. She does everything. She's going to open the gate. She, she gives me this fob thing to start the car with. And then I go, well, how do I, what do I do to start it? Oh, I don't know. I've never worked with this car before. Um, there's a there's a phone number of somebody you could call if you need to have some help. So I'm sitting in, and I call and the guy doesn't answer. So Myron and my wife are in the cell phone lot. And I go, you know, so Myron goes online on his phone and figures out how to start the thing. But the heater is on and I can't turn it off. And it's got heated steering wheel and I can't turn that off. So anyway, after this debacle at the pizza place, I said I was griping to Myron about the stupid car, and my new friend, Myron's oldest son, goes, "You have a Tesla?" And I go, "Well, it's not mine. I rented it, and I can't even drive the dumb thing." He goes, "Could I see it?" So I took him out in the parking lot, and you know, we looked at it. And he goes, "Could I sit in it?" So I let him sit, you know, behind the thing, and all of a sudden, I'm a hero. Right? He, he goes, "I think I can help you with that." That kid spent the next three days. I mean, he's he's, he's going to grow up and be an engineer. Uh, Myron and I talked about this. He said that he's really into figuring out how things work and take them apart. But he found he kept every time we would talk and we talked, we hung out a lot because they're just there to hang out with his family. He would come up with another thing about the Tesla, another thing. So then, then the next morning, we all were going to go out and eat Japanese food after church. But we had a little time, so I took all four kids in a Tesla and we got on the freeway. But so anyway, on the freeway on ramp, you can get on it pretty hard and, you know, zero to whatever. 
And, and so then we got on the freeway and I'd start slowing it way down. And then I, and then I get on it and it, and it just pins you right back. It is fun. And, and those kids, man, I, I came out of there like I was a hero to them. But, oh, but anyway, back to the podcasting we're doing. You, 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 you talked about employing a lot of kids. And it was down to stuff like I used to do when I was a kid, raking leaves, doing stuff like that. How, how do you function? Because, I mean, the church, in a sense, is an employment agency. And it's one thing if you, if you put five to eight kids to work in the summertime or something. You're yeah. talking big numbers. What are you guys doing? How does that work? Yeah, so the edge, you know, we got a bunch of young people. So ain't no money, right? There's no, it's just, and that's the way it's always going to be if we're successful at doing what we're doing. And so we, we decided early on that we would operate more like a nonprofit than we would a traditional um, church. And so we depend on 30% for, our, for our, our baseline budget. We depend on 30% from the offering budget because that's about all, all we can really do. But then 70%, we operate like a nonprofit and we have multiple revenue streams to do so. So we essentially raise money, write grants, do events, and then start businesses to support our, our, our craziness, support the, the work that we do. And so, yeah. Before you get into anything else, t- t- tell us what kind of businesses, give, give us a little bit of mechanics, because this is an area where I, I think the church in America is is being forced to change. The, sure. the, the polarization, the Roe v. Wade, all of the things that are causing the church to come under the gun, uh, we have to learn from guys like you. So, you know, take take us down that road for a little bit. And, and then I want to come back and talk about you and your availability as a possible speaker and, and you know, just the, the things that you would have to uh, to help other people. But but take us in and, and, and get, get deep on this one. We, we need help with this. Yeah, so we, we stopped and said, you know, um, how could we can empower people in the church to do what they're passionate about? Um, if I if I were to rewind the tape, we would have we would we would have had a portion of ownership in more of the businesses that we started. That that's something I, I feel like we failed we failed in. One, I think that their their uh, sustainability, their longevity would have been it would just been longer. Yeah, uh, there you know some of the some of the businesses didn't make it. You know, um, quite a few of them, but you know, but. I wish, I wish we would have held on because they could have had longer term mentorship, longer, you know, had access to resources and things that they, they won't have on their own when they, when they branched out. But the ones, so what we, what we, what we've done is some different things is obviously we started the t-shirt company. We started the, uh, a marketing, a marketing company where we do, uh, we had a graphic, more of a graphics company first and then morphed into a marketing company. And now we're moving into a digital marketing marketing things um with videography um company we have some just a bunch of a bunch of things like that and what we do is we like the, we like the the whole hundred dollar startup kind of idea it's like if we can if we can prove out a concept um an idea and if we get started at low cost and we literally use the church as an incubator so all the businesses yeah everyone i, I mentioned started in the church in fact hustle pray east corporate office is in the church the storage is in the church, and it's just like, well, man, what if, what if, what if they don't have to pay for space, and they can pull that money back into the business? As long as they're they're giving their time, talent, and treasure back to the church, why not? You know. So we oh, another one we have we have a music studio uh, in a lot. I mean, I'm talking 
there's some, some Grammy nominated songs that come out of our studio. There's uh, you can't watch TV without watching some hearing some of our guys' music on on, on some of the, on some things. Um, but uh, so we have a studio that we that we trade ownership of, of the actual DBA to um, to different um, um, engineers and say here's here's the basic studio here's the, the way here's you know do that just give back to the church um and help to set up the infrastructure to do so but those are some of the businesses we do but it's really for us it's really an opportunity to invest into people's lives um i'll, I'll say the last one about the business is that there was a, a nine-year-old girl her daddy i was a crip from california i did a game conference years ago if anybody wants to look it, it, was, it was covered by 700 club years ago um, it is a game conference that had never been done in Michigan like, like this. And, um, and, and this, this crip from California showed up and he had newly gave his life to Christ and say, I, I want to help, you know, uh, with the thing. And, uh, and so I stuck with him and, and we did it. Uh, we, we helped him start his company, the first videography company we started. And, uh, he did very well, um, with, with what he was doing, but the, the, this little girl, his daughter, was nine and she came up one Sunday and brought me this duct tape wallet. I like Batman and she made me a Batman duct tape wallet. And she said, this is her business. That was, he asked me, would I help her? You know? And I thought it was cute and everything. And I told her, yeah, we'll, we'll help you. And uh, let's talk and I scrapped it. And honestly, I just, I brushed her off. But I, I acknowledged her, took the wallet. And then, you know, and I, she came back the following week with a piece of cardboard with her own strategic plan about what she wants to do. Wow. And we started taking her serious, you know what I'm saying? And we invested time, invested money. By the time she hit 14 years old, she was she was doing either what the dope man does or what Avon does. I don't know. It's between the two. It's like she basically started wholesaling to her friends. And then and she wanted to figure it out because it was getting confusing so that they can go sell products and bring it back to her. And she said, we're writing on whiteboards and these things. She, about 15, six, 16 years old, she, she, the, the, she got busy, the company gone. Jumping forward, she got a full ride to Howard University. Wow. The likelihood, and she will tell you that the soft skills and things she learned, the consistency, how, how, the, the conversation, engaging with the dope, I mean, all the stuff that she learned from starting a company, that's what we're most concerned with. We're not, we, I don't care about you being successful and paid out of your mind. I don't give a rip about none of that. I want to see you be a, a person committed to Jesus and be a good person in our community, in our society. And so and that's what we that's what that's why we start businesses, so we can help people be good people. That's really good. That is really good. Well, as just as we're winding this down, I always ask people if they would be willing to share contact information. And um and I want to know if you'd do that, but more than that, um I, I know that uh you're gonna have a little time off here. And you're kind of doing a book tour and some other things. But if somebody wanted to engage you to come and coach people or to come and speak or, you know, whatever they're thinking about, um, I, I, I'm assuming you'd be available. To talk to me about that, what, what you could do and, and what you'd be willing to do. And then how, how could somebody get a hold of you? So I, I suck at about 3,217 things. But I'm good at about three. You know what I'm saying? And I'm really good at those three because I got a lot of time to spend on them. I got so many bad people. And, uh, and, and one of them would be strategy. You know, I, was, I, was, I became an IT engineer by God's grace alone. Um, and then I own my own IT firm. And I, I, I never was good at fixing anything. 
but I was really good with helping organizations that are here to help them get there and what a strategic step to get there and how do you measure it. And so that's what I do for churches and denominations as it relates to urban church planting. A lot of churches and denominations want to do this, but they don't know how. Mm-hmm. They don't, how do I engage? And what we do is uh, we're, we're in the process literally right now of reforming our church planting network, but really changing it from dealing with the day-to-day, everyday planter to really help regions and cities develop strategies. Mm-hmm. Go after your city and how to go after a region, help churches to figure out how to go, how to create networks, urban networks. If you want to be focused on urban ministry specifically, we can help you with that. And secondly, I'm taking six months away from the edge, um, primarily to get back out there and start spreading, you know, the story of redemption. Um, and so I'm saying that Jesus still saves, man. He's, he's still power and he wants to save, he wants to deliver. But not only that, I don't I don't know how to do anything but challenge people. And so, but to challenge the church to get off his butt. Mm. Get up, church, get off your butt. Let's get it cracking, you know. And uh, so I'm, I'm available. <laughs> that probably wasn't the best pitch. <laughs> I'm available to come and and and, and to, to churches uh, for six months. I'm gonna start there and to go um, starting in August. Um, so I'm, well, I'm booked out through through uh, through September, but uh, starting in August, I'll be heading out. Going, going out uh, at least three times a week, or three times a month, and I would love to come over to your church and do and and bring uh, the good news of Jesus, which includes get off your butt and do so. That's that I'm available because I haven't been available for almost four years. Okay, that's good. So, how would somebody contact you? Sure, you uh, you go to uh, on all my socials is Troy Evans Speaks, or you can go to my my site TroyEvansSpeaks.com. Okay. And then just go through a contact form there. Yes, there's a, there's a booking form there. You just go there. Good. Good. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and check his blog at ralphmore.net.